Hello and welcome to season three, episode seven of the Black Women Working Podcast. My name is Tolu. Ladies, please introduce yourselves. Hey, Chantal. Hey, it's Natalie. Uh, and we have no Rachel with us today, but never fear, we are joined today by a very special guest. Please introduce yourself and what you do. Hey guys, um, my name is Deborah Chosen. Um, I'm a writer, speaker, host, um, but at the heart of really everything that I do, I help women of faith navigate their journey through authentic storytelling. So yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Wicked. And just to remind you guys to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Podcast UK. Our hashtag is BWW Podcast UK. You can email us at blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com. And we have our website, blackwomenworking.com, where you can subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter. Now, as per usual, we always start each episode off with a quote of the episode. So today's quote of the episode, and by now you know the standard to expect from me. So (laughs) to paraphrase, this is the quote. (laughs) Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, and it's a new life for me. And I'm feeling and good. I'm feeling good. Because Tolls, if you don't know, always does a song. Yes, <laughs> always have the next long quote <laughs> I just relate. Anyway, obviously. <laughs> It's uh, lyrics from Feeling Good by a dearly departed sister, Nina Simone. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that got to do with today's topic? Well, today we're going to be talking about when to quit your job. So by way of introduction into this topic, um, most people and most of us, to be honest, have been in a job that they've hated or the spirit didn't take to, whether they had been in that job for 10 years and things came to a point after like, I don't know, year seven or eight, or whether they've been in a job only for maybe six months, but after month one or two, they were like, "Mm, this isn't it for me. They just have to get out. So today we're gonna be discussing how to turn what can be quite a toxic and emotionally draining experience into pragmatic and effective action, whatever that looks like to individuals, e.g. finding a new job, taking a sabbatical, or maybe in extreme cases, taking your employer to tribunal. That is an option too. So, as mentioned before, we are joined by Deborah, who's been in this position. And so we're just going to dig a little deeper into the lead up um, of her quitting one of her former roles. So, Deborah, if you could just give us a little background information on what kind of role it was uh, and was it a role that you actually liked in the first Mm -hmm. place? Mm. yeah sure so gosh so I have to cast my mind back to not that long ago as I actually left the role at the beginning of this year so um the time this has been recorded at the beginning of 2020 um so when I originally started the role like I was definitely happy um I felt fulfilled (laughs) I'm happy I'm fulfilled but I was happy I was fulfilled um you know it was it was actually really the job that brought me to London permanently so a bit of bit of background context um my family from well we live in Birmingham really um but I've lived in London for the past 
three and a half years now. And this was the role that was like, finally, my ticket to London, et cetera, et cetera. It was quite a big deal for me at the time when I got it because, um, well, A, there was a pay rise involved compared to, you know, my previous role. Um, B, it was in the fashion industry. So for some some more context, um, I, my background really is marketing and social media. So I was finding the fashion industry and so like everything on paper looked great and it was um, to begin with. So I would say I probably had, I'd say I probably had like two good years um, with that business and um, mm. with that company. By the time that I left, it, I was in my third year. Um, and I think with me, it was a case of I stayed much longer than I should have in mm. hindsight. Like that feeling of dissatisfaction, that feeling of being devalued, um, that feeling of just knowing that I, I deserve more um, and re- and having to really recognise and accept that I, I'm not going to be able to get that from this company. Like, I think that's what just began to like manifest for a good couple, two years, really. I, yeah, I should have left in the second year, really and truly. But by the time that I did, it was like way overdue, um, which came with its like negative effects and stuff. But I'm sure we'll go into that mm. a bit more. But yeah, it began well. It just um, came. It just came to an end. Yeah. So to kind of hone in on the specifics a bit there, like you mentioned kind of not feeling valued in the role. Were mm. there any other kind of trigger points? Um, for example, maybe the breakdown of certain work relationships, either with mm. managers or colleagues or like unfair mm. work feedback, stuff like that? Oh, definitely. <laughs> All the above. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, definitely. Like, so the thing is with the company I was with, um, I think when it really began to hit the fan was around the time that they were going through what do they call it now um, administration essentially we were we were trying to avoid that so it was the i can't remember what there's a term that you kind of called just restructuring. Like cva so it's like a all of them yes that's it yeah cva so we kind of entered into that phase and there was a massive restructuring that took place um the company was essentially split into two different companies um and I kind of moved over to the side I didn't want to be on or Mm. it just so happened that I was on the side that was the most toxic in terms of the management structure um management relationships the biggest issue there really I would say was the management really you know it was that the way that we were spoken to or let, let me speak for myself the way that I was spoken to was below anything that I ever want to entertain ever again in my life um also it was very hard to get up like to kind of move move up in any kind of way within that role so for those three years like quite ashamedly to say now for those three years there was no change in my pay rise like oh my pay sorry my salary zero change whereas compared to like what I knew other people could get within the same industry and with my level of experience, it was like, it was just embarrassing like Mm -hmm. what I was being continually just being offered. And despite like the level of growth or the amount of work that I'd done, I think I went through a phase where I felt like, okay, if I can prove myself, you know, when you kind of feel like, okay, there's, I need to do X, Y, and Z to get a pay rise. And if I do it, it will happen. And then I began to realize doing all those different things is not going to make any kind of difference. So I did, mm. I did everything. So like working overtime, that was really me all the time. I would work till like 10 PM, 11 PM, whatever. Like I would just try and go above and beyond. Um, I just really, really stretched myself to the point that it was affecting my mental health and it wasn't getting any results anyways. And even, even when there was success, the way that the management were um, in their like people management management, 
skills or lack thereof is that um they they were a lot louder when something went wrong than when something went well if that makes sense so the tiniest if you make the tiniest mistake you would hear about it from now till kingdom come um but if you do something well it's like okay great yeah that's that's great lovely good job on that campaign let's move on and so mm. you just it was just like you don't know whether you were coming or going like i said restructuring was happening as well so that made the whole environment really really um toxic very very toxic mm. and also just very insecure unstable shaky you know a lot of people were kind of saying oh your role will be safe um i was i was in a role that truth be told yes was safe um just because of what i did and and i was kind of one of the few people that did it um but it came to a point it was like I, it's not about is my role safe i don't really want to continue to work on a sinking ship you know <laughs> like i don't this environment is this is not what i desire i can do so much better so yeah i think i think that was really the catalyst for me to like jump ship <laughs> so mm. to speak but um yeah it was a mix of different things but i think probably the biggest thing was definitely for me anyways was management or lack thereof of management Thank you. So, I mean, throwing this, uh, filling this back out to the wider team, like who can anyone kind of identify with that catalogue of events leading to that peak point where it's just like, I'm done with this now. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Um, I just feel, I feel like this podcast is aging me, man, like an old lady <laughs> retelling my stories. <laughs> but um, I think this first happened to me six years into my career, that devil mm. school, I'm just, that's what I'm going to call it now today. <laughs> um, but I pinned all my hope, I pinned all my hopes on it. I was like six years in, which isn't a long time, but in teaching time, you could very much be ready to transition yeah. um, into leadership. And um, I saw this as a move where like, Alex, my first son was starting primary school. So financial dynamics were changing. It was a brand new school starting from scratch. So everything you wanted the school to be, every policy, every behavior rule, everything was brand new. And it was like, this could be amazing. And um, I was very much in some ways out of my comfort zone because I had to teach outside of my subjects, being the only teacher in the humanities department. So although I specialized in politics, I was teaching geography, history, RE. And really and truly, I think I've said this before to you guys, my auntie at some point in the first year was like, you've got attachment issues, like just leave, mm. just leave. But I started with all these dreams of like, and because of the, the way school has its cycles, like you've got five five years, year seven to year 11, I was like, I'm gonna see this first year group through, I'm gonna build the curriculum. And I had all these plans. The place was not for me. Mm. It was not for me. I was overworking myself, um, second guessing myself and there is a distinction people need to know there's a distinction between management and leadership mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was being overmanaged, micromanaged and in a way that the the person who was supposed to be leading me was very bureaucratic and everything very much had to be done her way like mm. she couldn't see if you weren't filling in her pro forma it just wasn't good enough or as a middle leader, she couldn't see that my priorities and my vision for my department was very much different from how she saw it. There was, there just wasn't a relationship in her looking into how I was doing my work. Mm. And unfortunately, the only reason I I left was because I had a bereavement. And at that point, life just didn't matter. I was just like, look, Mm. I can't get any sadder than this. So Mm. I'm bouncing. And I was actually gonna leave the profession 
I resigned without a job. I was like, I'm done. Um, but all the signs were there and I'm glad I've learned from it. But looking back, I'm so mad that I clung on. Mm. What was I clinging on to? What was mm. I clinging on to? All the signs were there. Mm. All the signs were there. Should have left from six months and mm. I stayed for two years. Oh boy, mm. I hear that mm. still. That's me too. Mm. Girl. Nats, what about you? I've quit their jobs, man. Um, <laughs> 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 All I do is quit, 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 no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> man. Teach like, me. But you know what it is? Like, I, I don't want to be fake and, and say, like, oh, I just walk in the place. I just, like, quit, dash down my, like, letter of resignation, <laughs> just walk out the place and flash my wig and just go about this. It's not like that. I have the same issues that Chantal was talking about in terms of attachment issues and what comes to mind for me is like my first law firm that I trained at and I should have left that job as soon as I qualified I should have picked up my behind and left and what was funny mm. about it is I qualified into a recession but I also did um go through and like apply for other firms because I wasn't sure what was going to happen at like, where my job was and it's like as soon as I got the job at my firm I was like oh okay and just like stopped responding to recruiters and started acting brand new when really that was my opportunity to get out of what was going to be the next horrendous two and a half years. This mm. is where I was bullied by that woman that told me I'm going to have four Mm-mm. different children Mm-mm. with four different dads and all that kind Mm-mm. of nonsense. But I, I can't say that when terrible things started happening to me in terms of the second guessing, the being micromanaged, the microaggressions, the kind of sly comments, the never being able to be confident and develop yourself. And, mm. you know, you're working hard, but the work that you're doing is never good enough. And the damage that that does to your confidence, it takes years to undo yeah. that. Yeah. But I could have just left, like, a long time ago. I waited um, two and a half years, then I left, and I went to another law firm that I hated. <laughs> and at three months, I was like, no, nah, I'm not going for this again. No, <laughs> I'm so no. Sorry, and you know what irritated me as well is that I just moved because I wanted a change and it got to a point where I was so desperate just to leave. Yeah, you went anywhere. That I went anywhere and it, that was like the worst three months to the point where I was just like... Mm-hmm. To the point where I was just like, wow, this is bad job after bad job after bad job. Is this industry even for me? Mm. So it does get to a point where you have to know like what your kind of non-negotiables are, but it takes time in your career to develop that. I've always admired people that I'm not going to do that. This is my boundary. I'm going to bounce because in Mm. my head, I've always been grateful for every job that I've had. So I haven't had the Mm. confidence to be like, even though, even I've always lived, probably always lived at home. I knew that if anything happened, I had a support system around me. I was always going to be okay. Yeah. Mm. I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to just be acting all lackadaisical and quitting. Mm-hmm. and it's it i think when i was in my last job before this one when they started acting mad i said what i just called the recruiter <laughs> yeah. i said bruh i'm ready yeah. Yeah. come on and he was he this, this particular crew i had worked with him and he was like come on that's time to go like there's better for you there's better for you and i was like mm-hmm. you're just trying to get commission off me but <laughs> when as soon as i saw it took one event yeah, when my boss started acting mad. And then I think I actually tweeted, it was that event, and then I actually tweeted out, I was like, black women, we've had enough. Like, let's come together and chat about our experiences. So oh if my, my boss at, at that firm didn't act mad, 
we wouldn't have black women working for no. anyway. Wow. <laughs> but, <Give> thanks. <laughs> right, right. But ultimately, at that time, I was like, I've seen this twice before. You can't play mm, me. Yeah. Mm, no, mm, I'm mm. out. So, um, because the other side of it is people need to not the other side, but part of it is people need to know your worth oh, and yeah. they need to respect you. So Preach there's it. like. There's the side of where you get into bad situations, toxic situations, but the other side of it is like, if you're ready to progress and not mm-hmm. hoping and wishing that mm-hmm. a place is going to promote you mm-hmm. or pay yeah. you more, mm-hmm. or the last job that I left, not the one I just told you about, the one when I returned from my second maternity. Mm. And quite frankly, yeah, let me just play it as it is. Man tried to take me for a dickhead. They really did. There's no other way to put it. Mm-hmm. You had me up in the workplace not doing anything. Oh my gosh. Like, you treated me worse than a trainee. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm sat here with 11 years worth of skill mm-hmm. with That's a zero it. hour timetable. Basically, just colouring in. So, yeah, literally. So, what did I do? Eight weeks after maternity, I bounced. And the way she blinked at me, because for the first time in my life, I stood up for myself yeah, at work and I played it to her. And I said, look, when you met me, you yeah. met me as this. Yeah. You've got me sat here as this. Literally, I could have sat in crud and been like, oh, they're not respecting me. Oh, And I was just like, okay, you haven't got, what? You haven't got anything for me? All right. Mm-hmm. And the universe mm-hmm. worked in my favour. I can't lie, timing was on point mm. in terms of being headhunted and I was headhunted for my current job. And it felt so refreshing to say, well, you haven't got it for me, but I know I'm worth it. So mm. bye. That's it. Feels it. So good. it feels so good. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like leaving, it's literally like leaving a toxic relationship. It's it just is. like, yeah. yes, I'm a whole new me. Like I'm going to go get what I actually deserve. But I think mm-hmm. one, one of the things that probably a lot of people don't maybe talk about is actually the healthy job after the toxic job and how that's a strange transition in itself. I don't know about anyone else, but like for me, like like I kind of alluded to, everything you guys have said, I, I had at, this, at my last role as well. So I had a manager who was like, I'm trying to make you a professional right now. You're not employable. You don't have enough skills to, to do this job, blah, blah, blah. Like you should think about doing something. All the, all this kind of stuff um, that she swore at me, like everything. It was, it was really Did what? Oh, she swore at me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I came up with an idea and she was like, that, that shit. <laughs> yeah sorry i'm not sure if i should swear on here but yeah um, (laughs) yeah it was mad i'm I'm proud of myself in that don't get me wrong i confront when i say i confronted her i confronted Mm. her before i left like i said i do not appreciate the way you've spoken to me um you're complete like you have no regard for anyone else like at this point you know when you reach that point where it's like yes, i have nothing care. to lose yeah, yeah like exactly. i'm gonna tell you if i'm gonna leave here, i'm gonna leave here with my head held high because mm-hmm. they had already dragged so much of my confidence through the mud mm-hmm. right so i was like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna reclaim what i can mm-hmm. but yeah li- like leaving the job felt amazing but then starting a job where people are actually healthy mm-hmm. was Normal. so weird because i realized i had like work ptsd so yeah. i had been so um used to being afraid to a certain extent of of my of this manager you know because she was so horrible and toxic whatever that there were certain habits and traits that I'd kind of picked up so I would like if if someone emailed me I'd respond straight away so that I don't get told off that oh where is this or I don't get chased or whatever Mm -hmm. or like I was just on edge so when I started my new job and everyone was really healthy Mm -hmm. I, I like it took me a while to go back into being myself and like getting that regaining that confidence it's it's really strange it's um 
it's a weird thing to kind of navigate but it it feels great to be in a healthy place mm. but yeah you don't actually realize how much these things damage you it's so it's also kind of start to, to pick up or that you mm. start to pick up so i have to exactly mm. what you were saying suddenly i'm there doing pro formers and doing that and you're like chill Mm. you're not in that old place no more don't yeah. you come and bring toxic toxic yeah don't carry it along yeah. Yeah, yeah that's crazy yeah these like, people are not asking that of you yeah it's mm. mad because like even as you're talking like before when i was thinking about this topic i was like yeah yeah man's quit a job uh, no <laughs> not really that's not actually the truth what i've done is i've endured to the point that some other company had to come and find me and rescue me out of that place but there was one job i just hated so much i can't it was so draconian that was my issue with that place it was just like someone constantly being on your neck and just it was so demanding and it was also a bit sly like the way they recruited for that role in the first place not kind of telling us what the actual full responsibilities would be which would impact a lot on our work-life balance mm. and so I hated it but at the end of the day I didn't quit it but I, I don't know I always felt within myself that I did quit it but no I didn't quit it I have actually quit a job <laughs> but that was a long time ago I was working in Madhouse the pay wasn't even that good <laughs> I think it was like three pounds <laughs> 80 it went up to 410 when I was 18 manager hey, was moving mad so I, it was around Christmas time so I said I quit or I just left <laughs> I didn't even give notice or anything. My sister was like, Oh, you should have written a letter so you got your four weeks' notice. I was like, oh, Don't don't you... worry about that. I, I don't need it. I don't need no, it. It's a good it's a good point of reference because earlier this year I was talking to my friend and we were talking about what would your twenty one year old self do mm. in terms of like being excited, being your own hype man and really holding on to good things. Cause now I feel like as we're older, like when good things happen, you sort of just bypass them. You're like, yeah, yeah, cool, next. Yeah. But like the essence of remembering your youth, like you would just walk out. You wouldn't mm. even, no, I know it's I different because I you didn't know. No, I would, no, no, I would no, not at all. I, I would didn't. probably, I was as like, a that's... younger person, be more concerned right. with staying. Cause there's two levels mm. of jobs, like Madhouse, Tolsey saying she quit that job. She shouldn't even be talking about her job on this podcast. It's yeah. really yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't count. Do you know what I mean? It's not really a career thing, is it's it? It's not really, like... <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no, but no, but let me finish. It's no, like me finish. talking about quitting my land. Exactly. Hold <laughs> on that. No, no, I'm still going, chat. No, but I didn't finish my quit. I didn't finish my quit. I didn't finish my quit. Because your point's wrong. You can't talk about a job at Manhouse. No, that's a career. But the fire in your belly that says this isn't working for me, mm. where does that go? Does it go because you've got more responsibilities? Does it go because you It goes mm. because the job means more to you. Like I mm. used to work at Spurs. They tried to be rude to me, tell me I need to come in. I had exams. I never text Maggie back or now. <laughs> I ain't reached out to them. I don't care. But when it comes to a job that's oh important and integral to like my actual career and you're beginning to look at your cv yeah. and see your mm. cv history and mm. your there's this there's this there's very much this paranoia about you know the power of the reference or the belief yeah. of what someone's mm. going to say or can mm. and cannot say in your reference mm. it's That's not true. necessarily about a fire of the belly i just feel like you behave different ways when things mean more to you like, and that's yeah. that's something that i want to pick up on as to reason why i'm not really in the same 
uh, context mm. as you guys because the reason I didn't quit that job was because mm. I was at an age in my life where I was like I really want to leave my parents house I want to mm. move out I need to hold on to this so that I can go into I think it was my first actual permanent role because up to then mm. I'd just been doing uh, contracts and temp stuff and I was like I've got to stick this out I've actually yeah. got to stick this out so there's like consistency in my life and so that I can move to the next level and actualize some of the goals that I have ahead so that was what prevented me from quitting that job and so all the things that kind of pushed you guys to do it they were the I used them as reasons as to why I needed to stay because I had a goal of where I was going now I can't tell you that that was the right decision but it is what it is and I've learned from it so do you you think goals are enough like to hold us in terms of, I know no. we're going to talk about, no, but I know you're going to talk about coping strategies. Mm. So for example, if you know, well, I need three years worth of this because mm. I'm trying mm. to get a mortgage or I need to be in a place for a year because I, I want to get a maternity leave mm. or whatever. Like, is that enough as a coping, coping mechanism? Um, you know what I mean? It's relative. I, I don't believe so. I think you just have to know what your limit is. Like you yeah. can have visions and goals, but it doesn't mean that you need to like sacrifice yourself on the altar of like mm. mental distress and mm. people are losing their hair. They have mm-hmm. poor work life balance. The relationships out of outside of work are suffering. Like for yeah. me, that's one really important thing. Like don't ever let a job mm-hmm. come between your relationships outside of work because at the end of the day, yeah, you're going to change that job at some point. But if you lose Mm. the people in your life, how Mm. easy is it to formulate those kind of relationships again and build up that trust, build up that connection? So I really want to impress on anybody listening, like consider what your what the cost is and what the benefit is of staying mm. someplace it is it's not easy to tell someone oh you need to quit this thing think mm. about it think about it and make a decision for yourself but make sure it's the right decision where you're not sacrificing the general well-being of your life to maintain mm. yourself in a job you're not going to keep forever and at the end of the day if you fell sick tomorrow They'll do some little card, one little flower, send it to your hospital, whatever. But how Mm -hmm. many of them are really going to, like, be with you like that and be Mm. by your side and take care of you? Not to say that some people don't have work relationships like that. I know a lot of people Mm. do. But again, you have to assess the situation on its individual merits. So to kind of bring it back to that but to you Deborah, I want to ask you mm. like what were some of your coping mechanisms whilst going through your frustrations <sighs> like how did you offload did you offload and where to I feel like I offloaded anywhere that anyone would listen <laughs> I feel like I was like I remember oh, yeah. I feel like about at one point like, it was like a tv series <laughs> yeah it was just it was just like okay what madness is gonna happen today at work literally like what she got in store for me today I felt like I could offload to the person at MS like while I was mm. buying my lunch because like it was just too, it was just too much um but in terms of like healthy offloading spaces I think for me what was really key were my closest relationships like my friendships um my relationship um my parents to a certain extent Mm. to a certain extent that always comes with a caveat in it always do you know what I mean because like you know as as an African right Mm -hmm. someone with African parents um and parents who are from a very very different generation right Mm -hmm. you know we all know like our parents most likely 
stayed in their roles a lot longer than we now do, right? Mm. They would be loyal, as they would call it, or faithful yep. to this particular company. And, you know, back then they would also get maybe reflective benefits. You know, they would get, oh, you've been here for 10 years, here's this. They would get, the, you know, it made sense for their journey. But for us, things are so different. But mm. coming from <coughs> parents who, both my parents worked for the NHS, so doctor and a nurse, they were very kind of one plus one equals two in your career mm. journey. Like, if you're not, mm. like... Do, do this and you will get this. Ah, you, you want your pay to go up? Then just work a bit harder this year and you're mm. going to definitely get it at the end of the year because surely you'll get a bonus, right? And I was trying to explain, <laughs> it's fashion, like, it's fashion and <laughs> social media. It's bonus, bonus where? Like, it doesn't work like that. It didn't work like that. And my company, it was, it was very much more, more higgity how you kind of step up. So... So knowing that they kind of don't understand things in the same way that our generation do, I could only offload to them to a certain extent. I would offload to my mum the level of stress that I was experiencing. I think for me, when things kind of came to a like crescendo was in December. Did I get that? I think it was in December where, um, yeah, work was just so stressful. I had to take time off. Um, I had to go on mm. stress leave. And never in my career had I ever need. has anyone ever put me to the point that I need to go to a GP and ask for time off like mm. that's that's just never happened I've, well done for doing that thank you mm, yeah, thank you well like done. thank you and shout out to Tolu actually because like Tolu's kind of no not even kind of you actually helped me understand like what is available to me in terms of you know like my rights <laughs> so to mm. speak and and how to conduct myself during that moment because a lot of people don't know you know don't know what what is available and don't know like how you can navigate that in a safe way like and still protect yourself because of course when you're you're going through that that transition of you know i'm gonna have some time off and you're already coming from a toxic company part of my stress even during my time off was what if they get rid of me when i come back you know like are they gonna use this against me da, 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 all these different things so um i think during yeah during like the hardest part which like i said was then when i had the stress um really a, a massive breakdown and just had to have the stress leave it was relying on friends um yeah having those outlets where I could share how I was feeling and also like to know I wasn't going mad because sometimes what would kind of throw me is it'd be like oh, sure, maybe it's not that bad you know like mm. maybe I'm like overthinking this or maybe I'm just not not tough skinned enough or you know maybe I'm looking into things too deep maybe that wasn't about race like maybe da, da, da. it's like no then I go and tell someone it's like that was a microaggression yes you were completely why did they call you aggressive you weren't aggressive like you were completely right mm. to have been offended by that you know sometimes sharing your stories helps you see okay I'm not I'm not mad this this is a mess <laughs> and the mm. more you realize that the more you're inclined to to do something about it because you mm. get tired to be honest of complaining every day um and crying all the time as well it's like okay and you know there's a saying like you're if you don't like where you are then move you're not a tree. you're not a tree <laughs> like if you want to go up and move like move it's not always that easy mm-hmm. though of course it's easier said than done and I should probably add um even with leaving my last role a part of why I did stay on so long was the um kind of what Tolls mentioned was um I had responsibility because I had moved here you know from Birmingham to London I was living by myself so to speak like you know I've got rent to pay xyz I I didn't have the luxury of you know I can just go back home um and also I had a, bit, a little bit of a track record of quitting I'd quit one job previously um when I was back in Birmingham and in my parents home I'd quit that job and it had led to me being without a job for about a year like uh, oh, just couldn't okay, find yeah. actually no hindsight <laughs> I didn't quit that I was made redundant <laughs> no they <laughs> 
fired me. Wow. <laughs> you know when you realise? I didn't quit. No, no. That, that was a story in three parts. I quit. <laughs> I made redundant. I was fired. I was fired. That's the truth of the matter. No, you know when like you began to tell yourself a different story. Revisionist no. history. <laughs> I was let go. Sorry, I was let okay. go. But my point is, um, my parents had seen me be without a job um, for so long that they've kind of, after that, they instilled in me never ever like quit a job or like never they just never wanted to see me in a position where I'd quit a job and I didn't have something else lined up Mm -hmm. right so part of why I stayed in that role for so long was just because my my action plan my game plan was going to be I'm not going to leave until I get something new so that I can still afford my rent you know my parents will be happy with me blah blah Mm -hmm. blah but for me similar to um one of the girls mentioned earlier it it came to a point where essentially due to like a massive health challenge in my family um to an extent a bereavement you could kind of call it that a very 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 hard time for my family I, it kind of you suddenly realize you know what like it's not worth it <laughs> whether i have a job lined up or not i need to be here right now i need to be with my family or i need to be there for myself i need like the last thing you need when you're already going through so much stress is to work in an environment that's adding to that so then it became very easy for me to be like right I'm out. Um, and that's what really kind of pushed me mm. out. But it's, it's not always easy, definitely. No. And would you say that there's, if that, sorry, let me start that again. Would you say mm. uh, that there's anything that you know now that you wish you'd known at the time? I know you mentioned mm. before with regards to like me speaking to you about your rights and things like that. But was mm. there anything else that, because you said you were in that job for over, what was it? Two three years? Year, three, three years, years? actually. Yeah, so years, actually, like in legal terms, like mm. if you didn't want to quit the job or you wanted to leave the role with some kind of benefit, you would have mm. been well within your rights to kind of consult mm. legal advice and find out if they were willing to kind of meet mm. with you in the middle and perhaps get you an agreement to leave mm. and, and things like that. But was there anything else that you thought or that mm. you've discovered since that you've been like... Mm, yeah i th- i think i think the biggest takeaway for me was knowing my worth and not mm-hmm. settling so like i kind yeah. of i had to discover that i had the the person who i was the person that deborah was when i got the job was very different to the person that mm-hmm. left right so when yeah. you know i was oh first job in london oh my gosh wow 20 something k or what i can't even remember what i was on you know like and just i i felt so grateful it's like it's like yeah. what i said before i was just like wow um as if i've got this it was a big company you know it was it was a well-known company and so i think i just felt so grateful that i began to become complacent you know and I didn't speak up in the beginning um I did eventually but in the beginning I think I didn't advocate enough for myself um to actually change my pay to actually Mm -hmm. change the way that I was viewed things like that so there's there's that element um definitely if I could go back I would have done more research earlier in terms of like um what the norm was you know in terms of salary within within my range um within my field sorry um I think also I just think I wouldn't let anyone take me for an idiot for so long again. Let no one take you my for idiot. No right. Honestly, you, it's, like I said, it is like when you leave a toxic relationship. It's like when you look back and you're like, right. ew, man, he wasn't even nice. Like, it's kind of like, <laughs> you're just like, it's kind of similar. You're like, that job was nasty. Like, we got no benefits. And yeah, I worked that hard. So Goodness. I just think I just, I have a different level of um, self-value. And mm-hmm. I, I think I would never let myself 
be in it for that long again and I think when you've been through it you recognize the signs a bit quicker anyways you know it starts with you see the behavior and you're like "Mm, I know Mm -hmm. this I've been here before Mm -hmm. not not playing the script again so yeah just I think I would have just tried to move a bit quicker um yeah basically uh yeah yeah yeah. I was I was I was just gonna um talk to the whole knowing your worth thing and I think like unfortunately for some of the episodes that we've been through there's an element of like growing pains yes Mm. some of this you are only going to know or you're only going to be able to stand in your power Mm -hmm. having been through the experience and I would definitely say like in this job that I'm in now I am manifesting and affirming who yeah. I am yeah. and yeah. I know I'm no longer walking into exactly what Deborah said I'm I'm mm. at a stage where I don't have to walk in feeling grateful feeling mm-hmm. like I'm proving myself but mm. actually reminding them you saw my personal statement when mm-hmm. you called me to the table to interview me mm. and you knew the person that was coming and I need to stand in that mm. so that they can see me as that and when you when you stand in that it radiates I, yeah. I believe in manifestation it radiates and people yes. will start to treat you with mm-hmm. the energy that you give off. Mm-hmm. So wherever you feel you've recruited me as know that I'm just that little bit more and I'm ready mm-hmm. for more hey. and mm-hmm. you receive that. The other thing is my notifications stay on. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be checking what jobs are out there all Smart. the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. be more married to my job than I am to my man, bro. Why mm-hmm. am I trying to I'm not married. Why am I out here committing, committing, staying, staying and not keeping yep. my mm-hmm. eyes open, mm-hmm. missing opportunities and not mm-hmm. growing? Because yeah. that's part of the conversation. When you see something, you either can go for it, because there's no reason why I should stay for mm-hmm. a year, five years, two years, if something better is out. Yeah. Yeah. you've got to keep your eyes yeah. open but yeah. also stay in that dialogue and saying this is where i'm trying to be i, I mm. might love my job and see something and say look i've seen an opportunity like this i mm. might go for it and they might say actually do you know what we can create something like that for you yeah. but mm-hmm. you've got mm. to I, it's not a relationship so i don't and i'm not in no entanglement so i don't have to worry about <laughs> saying i'm seeing this one i'm mm. seeing this one um, mm. and worrying about who i'm upsetting mm. just know my eggs are in many baskets, bruh. <laughs> I like that. I like that whole concept of going mm. through such a horrific circumstance, like empowering you for the future. And I think that's mm. kind of what I've understood from you, Deborah, and from you, Shan. Like, like we all go through, or a lot of us have been through terrible situations like this before. And the takeaway is to become more empowered. And without going through the situation, basically we wouldn't have gone through that refinement we wouldn't have gone through that sharpening which would take us which will actually project us to the next level that we need to get Mm. through so i mean one of the questions i was going to ask you was do you feel more empowered to make the right Mm -hmm. call in the same situation again evidently yes Mm -hmm. and 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 that's the key to it and it's not that we're giving advice here to say oh hopefully you won't ever be in a situation because it is likely that you Mm. will that anybody mm. listening will be in that situation but what we're saying is how to deal with it in the correct manner in order that you um elevate from that situation it doesn't mm. drag you down to the point where well you're having to go to the doctor you're having mm. to get on antidepressants because mm. you there's so many people that are in that situation some of the people you go to work work with kiki, 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 they're going home they're popping mm. antidepressants because mm-hmm. everything is just on their shoulders on their sh- chest mm. they don't have anywhere to offload and they don't know how to deal with it so 
I mean, throwing it back out to you, Natalie and Chantel, like in in your situations as well, how did you cope with the situation? Was there anything that you did differently to Deborah in terms of managing what you were going through? I personally don't think I did a very good job of managing because I was just like some emotional, anxious wreck. So I don't even feel, I feel like I know what I would do now if it got to that situation. Mm -hmm. But I can't, I have to be honest, I didn't handle it very well. Um, I think the first time it was going on with the very first firm, I was a bit oblivious. I wasn't realising how mad the situation was until I realised that someone who was the equal position of me was being paid like nearly £15,000 more than me. And that's when I was like... (laughs) Yeah. And then I still don't think... I still don't think I handled it very well in terms of like um, making a clear plan mm. about what my next step were, steps were going to be and not internalising kind of that anxiousness and that hate. And I had a, a woman mm. boss who was just, she's just wicked and bad man and evil. Um, mm. And there's no other way to describe it. And I think that description of her is generous. I think... <laughs> <laughs> and I think the second time when, when it happened, I was actually on probation. So there was a heightened level of anxiety. And it's mm. like, I woke up one day and I was like, are you dumb? You can just get another job. It's really mm. not that deep. And that was just before Brexit. So I was quite blessed to get another job. Then Brexit happened. The property industry completely freeze. But the last time... I just believed in my source so much. I And I was seasoned. It's like, I feel like life sends you messages and it's opportunities for you to learn the lessons. And unfortunately, if you don't learn how to set boundaries, how to have non-negotiables in your working life environment, you will kind of get back into the same patterns again. And so it's like, when I saw these patterns opening up, I could have like said, you know, I'm going to fight it out. I'm going to stick it. Here. And then part of me was like, I'm good at what I do. And yeah. more importantly, I had the realisation that being in that particular law firm was actually damaging my career because I was being held back. So that mm. when I ever considered to leave in the future, mm. I would be at a serious disadvantage because I didn't have the skills that I needed to be equal to contemporaries at my level. And I think knowing that that was an issue and identifying that really kind of motivated Mm. me to fix up on a different level and be like you need to get out because if you stay here again you're actually finished and they knew they upset me because every day I was coming in in more or less glorified tracksuit and (laughs) I was just every five minutes I had lunch and I was going for two hours because I was interviewing like a beast and I wasn't even taking annual leave I was Mm. not even taking annual leave so mm. I think it's the last time. And so I, I genuinely feel like, not in a kind of cocky way, but I feel like no one will ever take me for an idiot like that again because mm. I believe in myself enough, like Chantal was saying, mm. I know who I am. So I can't, I'm not saying I will never leave the job that I'm in, but it mm. definitely won't be for similar reasons that I had to leave the other previous three jobs for because unfortunately mm. I couldn't learn when life was brisk and I waited until it sent a brick in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but... I know the levels now. So my advice that I'll give to anyone is if you see these patterns happening, don't stick and have a false sense of 
you know, oh, I've got to be loyal. You don't have to be loyal to anyone. Mm-hmm. Like I keep saying, all yeah. you have to do is be black and die. Like literally, <laughs> learn the lesson. The per- yeah. No, but it's serious. Like learn yeah. the lesson the first time. Learn to have non-negotiables in your working environment. Don't wait till someone does microaggressions on you, discriminates against you, mm-hmm. throws you under the bus for something. Learn the first time so that, you know, you don't need to learn again. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what I had to do. I had to learn again. And learning again is painful yeah so i mean to kind of round up discussing this like what steps would you say each of you have kind of taken to reclaim your equilibrium and pride in your professional capabilities because as you've all mentioned like these experiences really damaged your sense of like who you were as professionals and your capabilities and that is a really horrid place to be in because then you start to undersell yourself mm. and then you might even apply for things that aren't even of your level as in you're mm. much higher than that but oh, the self-esteem God. is just like mm. at all-time low mm. Charles. <laughs> Mate. <laughs> i think i think for me one of the things was to affirm myself like to remind myself of who I am, what I can do. Because for me, it got to a point, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate with, where um, in my la- last role, I was like, I just don't even feel like I'm good at what I do anymore. Like, mm. I didn't, mm. I couldn't, I couldn't tell the difference between, you know, do I hate what I do or do I just hate where I do it? Mm. Um, you know, and, and it became kind of just like this big, just it was just hard to feel like I was even good um, because that's not what I was told or not what I was not how I was made to feel in the role. Um, I think affirming myself, reminding myself who who I am, what I can do, also reminding myself of like how I do those things well outside of work. I think it's really key yes. to yes. have something for yourself outside of like yes. when I think about it. The fact that I had my podcast or I was, you know, I, I would have a working day where during the whole day I was treated like trash, but then at the end of the day I'd go and do a speaking event where I'm treated like royalty. And I was like, oh, Deborah Chosen, whatever. And <laughs> I would go back, yeah, and I, and I'd go back into work the next day like, they don't know who I am. Like, I've just been speaking. They don't know who I am. They don't know who I've just interviewed. But it might sound silly, but it, it that affirmed me because it was like, I am more than this job. So... I, I deserve more, do you get what I mean? So practice having those spaces where you can d- do other things that make you come alive and remember that you're more than that. Um, and I think also just, just seek seek healthy spaces. I think nothing really helps you rebuild your, com- for me, nothing has helped me rebuild my confidence than being in a healthy environment, a healthy work space. So look mm-hmm. out for, as much as you're looking out for, you know, pay. Um, salary and all of those things company culture for me has Mm -hmm. now become so important Um, so yeah seek it out and look out for the signs Mm. I've got a few Um, my first mentor said to me not every person and every place is for you Mm. and I didn't quite get that until I'd had several bad experiences but that stays true not every person Mm. not every place is for you and so you need to know when to move just to echo what everybody has said um, I think there's something in your non your non-negotiable shift. I think in the beginning you think, oh, I want somewhere that's convenient, as in local to home, or has to meet this pay yeah. bracket or whatever. But then you do realise over time that what my non-negotiables now, because of the pain barriers I've been through, is my confidence will never be knocked again. Mm-hmm. And you don't know that that's a non-negotiable until you're sat questioning how low you feel and whether or not you're good at your job. It comes. I think thirdly, I've got four. I think thirdly, I think everyone should take a stress leave in life. Yeah. <laughs> once you're once like once you you are stressed, yeah, and you acknowledge 
Like if your foot, if your ankle was broken, you wouldn't be able to get to work. You wouldn't go. Yeah. When you're feeling stressed and you're like, do you know what? I need to go to the doctor to take a stress leave. It changes your perspective because the world moves, your world moves, the workplace continues, and you can you can move, but you can pause at the same time and just balance yourself out and remember there's more to this job than the job mm. which um again as deborah said um having something else for me i became a mum early in my career so i had alex two years in so i had no choice but to have some level of balance because i had to be someone for someone else yeah yeah um, and later on down the line this is changed into me having my own passion projects, whether it's podcast or writing or, or events or what else. But having something else is important. And lastly, do your maths, do your numbers. So I'm not the best advocate for this, but I try. Try not to live hand to mouth, get your yeah, insurance in yeah. check, mm-hmm. speak to your partner, speak to your parents in terms of money, because that's probably one of the reasons why we're scared to quit Mm -hmm. when you know it's time to quit because of your financial constraints so try and keep on top of your numbers in whatever form that looks like if it's making sure you've got a month's rent two months rent or that your partner is able to subs you or whatever so that you can and that's it from me Mm. oh i would just say um i don't know how helpful this is but it's not that deep (laughs) (laughs) sometimes like we really place like a lot of importance on having a job because and having a particular profession because ultimately that plays a role in how we identify ourselves and Mm -hmm. we wrap a lot of our self-worth up in being employed Mm -hmm. and having a particular job and I'm I'm just being speaking from experience as a corporate lawyer and that little kind of black lawyers we're really special because there's not that many of us type circle and the kind of prestige that we think that we possibly have and what I had to realize is that when I was when I was stressing out and crying I was kind of like wow you're really gonna be nearly killing yourself crying having panic attacks over a job mm. is really not mm. that deep you have all your faculties you have your health my mum mm. is alive my dad is alive and well I have my family around me having this job is not worth the tears and the stress I'm not saying that I'm I feel like I'm quite a resilient person probably to a fault because some madness will be going on and people will be like how are you coping I'll be like oh well I'm just doing it but mm. as I get, get older I begin to realize that that resilience needs to be needs to be reserved for things that truly deserve it, not because I need to cope with some mad evil boss who's trying to make my life hell or try and progress in a really toxic, racist, misogynistic, sexist environment just so I can say I made it to the top. Mm. And like once you put that perspective on it and you're just like, it's really not that deep, then I think it just changes your whole like approach to it when you are stressed or when you are overworking because if you know it's not that deep, why are you working till 10 p.m. every day? Mm-hmm. If you know you don't enjoy it, why are you killing yourself? Because mm-hmm. there'll be certain people in your office that will come in at 10 past nine when they start at nine, make their cup of tea, chat to everyone, come on. do their bare minimum work, <laughs> sign mm. off. You can't find them, you can't hear from them, and everyone's <laughs> cussing them. But that person, to me, they're on a higher level of like realization because they, they have smart. accepted that the job is just not that deep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. every time I've been worried about leaving a job, or losing a job, or getting a bad appraisal, or whatever, what's happened? I'll just go and have a job. So, like, mm. on a basic level, once you accept that it's not that deep, you put everything in perspective, 
you feel I feel like you can tackle things in a much more much more coherent way which is beneficial for you I do agree with what Chantel says though because I think sometimes you do need to go on that stress leave because when you're on that stress leave and you're sitting there in your pajamas with your headscarf like right I can't leave the house because I'm stressed because of a job then maybe that's what you need to realize that it's not that deep me I'm still waiting for my stress leave you know I can't lie to you I, I'm, I can't lie I'm waiting to take it because I didn't even know probably like Deborah said, they even existed. And had I known, my mental health would have been in a lot better position many years ago if I knew it was an option for me to go to my GP and say, I'm stressed, I'm under pressure, I'm being bullied at work, can I have two weeks off? So for me, if you need to stress leave, take it, but just remember on a basic level, it's not that deep. Mm. I think for me, one of the things I'd say is uh, employment-wise, no your rights um so that especially if you've been in a job for quite some time quite a few years you do have some rights within that and um if you're going through a situation where things are getting really tense and precarious you don't have to wait for it to reach that ultimate crescendo you can interrupt that process before that if it's clear that you want to leave and in your you can negotiate basically with your employer and see is there a better way to leave as opposed to perhaps putting yourself in a situation which could potentially be detrimental for you uh, financially because that is a big and major concern and as Deborah said you know she quit her job she didn't find one for another year I've been in a situation she didn't quit she was made redundant sorry or fired whichever (laughs) remix it was but I mean I've been in situations before as I've mentioned on this podcast where I I was out of employment for like a year and four months Mm. so you know we can't that decision isn't something that everyone can take lightly especially if you know they make perhaps in a different city to where the rest of their family is and they've got bills and things to pay for so that's one thing um another thing i would say is network and network with people in your field um, because that will enable you to see kind of what the standard should be and if you are getting fleeced basically whether with regards to the responsibilities you're having and the monetary remuneration that you're getting for that or just in terms of the attitude and the culture and behavior towards you because it's quite true of a lot of roles that wherever you go it's going to be the same. There are certain roles which invite kind of a toxic kind of atmosphere Mm, around mm, them just mm. because of the nature of the role and they're required to be people to be on all the time. (laughs) Um, So just be mindful of that. And if you need to pivot your career into a direction Mm -hmm. where you're not going to be in that kind of role if it's something that you can't handle but make sure you're networking with other people in that field and in that career space so that you know what's what should what's the what the standard should be basically Mm -hmm. and the last thing i'll say which is something that deborah touched upon was um know who you are within your job and know who you are outside of it you are not your job you are not your role you need to understand that and that will help you draw firm 
boundary lines and help you stay out of a position or a place where you're starting to amalgamate the two and when someone is deriding you or making you feel bad in your job you're starting to take that on as that's you as a person that you're incapable but if you know who you are you know what your strengths and weaknesses are whatever anybody else is saying to you you just reject that because you know who you are. And one, <laughs> and one practical way in which you can maintain a focus on that is, as I always say, or not always say, it's just something that I've recently kind of been advocating for, is write down your achievements. Write yes. down what it is mm. that you do. And every great recommendation you have, save all those things. So anytime mm. someone's trying to chat nonsense to you, you can mm-hmm. go back to your little folder, your little portfolio of all the praise you've gotten, all your um, achievements, all the things that you've excelled in and be like, you're saying this, but I know this to be true. Mm-hmm. And that's mm. it at the end of the day. And once you know who you are, no one can tell you anything. So that's my advice to anyone who's kind of maybe on the cusp of such a situation or is in the midst of the situation. But um, I think that rounds it up for today's yeah. topic. So thank you so much, guys, for uh, having quite an in-depth discussion into this. Kind of went in angles that I didn't really perceive it going, but it's been really interesting and really good. So thank you, Deborah, for joining us and for everyone thank listening. Thank you, Deborah. Please thank tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, remember, we can always keep the conversation going on social media. Please use the hashtag BWWPodcastUK or at us on Twitter and Instagram at bww podcast uk um dm us for suggestions uh if you have any dilemmas that you'd like to share with us if we can help out with that you can email us at blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com and you can also check us out on blackwomenworking.com deborah where can people find you um all things at deborah chosen that's that goes for twitter um facebook and instagram um also you can feel free to plug into my podcast called trust in the process and um, which is on all streaming platforms spotify itunes soundcloud um and likes excellent well that's it from us this week so bye bye guys